Hello. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Excited, huh? Just want to make sure this thing's working. All right, Tim, we've been talking about this next guest for a long time, and we're really excited to have him on the show, if that's what you would like to call this type of thing we do. Mm. So who we got? Today we have a um, very special guest, which is Frank Bellow, someone who I actually love dearly. I've known him, and when I say forever, I mean forever. Yeah. Um, he's been a huge part of my life. He's been a huge influence in my life, and one of the, if not the best person in this whole industry. Um, and just in the world, I mean, just good, good people, you know, him, him and his uncle, Charlie, you know, Charlie Benante has played such a huge role in my life as well. Like all of Anthrax has just been one of those things that I would not be sitting here. Maybe, I mean, this podcast is one thing, but in what I've done professionally without the influence of that band. And I can say that 100%. Yeah. Sounds like it was one big family and that, you know. Had a great time and lots of crazy stories that we probably can't talk about. There's going to be a lot we can't talk about, but I, I guarantee this will be a, just a good open conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, but it's great to have someone on like this that's had such a big influence on your life and mm-hmm. you know, kind of shaped the, like you said, the direction that you're going and stuff that you're doing to date. And it's, you know, it's just not, it's like, not me. And I appreciate that. It's just like they, they were Vanguard, like they were at the beginning of everything. Yeah. You know, when it comes to this stuff, they were there and they were kids and it's just, insane where they went and how they got there but so cool we'll be talking a lot about his book which is called fathers brothers brothers and sons you guys are good i like that it's a great book i didn't want to talk over ike and so it was just a little yeah it seems like there's a lot of really heavy stuff in this book so yeah i'm I'm so proud of him that that he got his story out and and it's a great story and it's inspirational and it's emotional and um, motivational and i think he's calling in right now talented oh. and punctual ah. of course put a cookie mark. <laughs> frank bello hello this is gene simmons <laughs> <laughs> yes well we'd rather have frank bello so <laughs> yeah seriously. well frank couldn't make it frank's quite busy right now running rush song so uh, yeah no time for you guys i'm sorry <laughs> what's going on how are you man i'm uh, i'm good i just picked up my my son from school who i uh, i love talking should i rant for a second Would yes you mind? So of I course what okay. we expect so i miss your mom because nobody's touring anymore so i have to wait outside for my son picking him up he's 15 years old he's in high school blah 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 the little community that I live in has a lot of women and men with big trucks that they can't drive. Mm. They proceed to drive these things to the school, take up all the spots, even though they can't drive into these spots, but they try to make, there's no room for anybody. So long story short, I'm screaming and yelling. My voice is hoarse right now because I'm screaming and yelling at these idiots because they don't know how to drive these trucks. Stop buying the truck. I'm done with it. Stop buying them. You don't know how to drive them unless you get, this should be a special license for these idiots that buy those trucks. I have to wait for my kid outside. There's no spot. I'm getting, I'm getting beat by the cop. What do you want from me? But it's a whole big deal. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the whole thing. I need to go on tour because I'm tired of this shit. Period. All right? <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. There's <laughs> nothing worse than people who can't drive and someone who buys a, a vehicle that's even more impossible for them. Especially in the snow. Yeah. Dude, um, that's, that's all we that's all we have here and you know, the snow takes up 15 spots anyway so there's no more spots because there's snow and everybody's struggling to get a spot 
it's a big to do over here. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. So, so I want to, you know, Damien, Damien is my co-host on here. You met him. He was at your Hi, rehearsal. Hi. And his yeah. brother, Ike, I was thinking, Hi, about, I was thinking about you the other day. Um, I do a lot. I was going to call you. Um, I went to see Casablanca on the big screen. Yes. It was the 80th anniversary yes. showing. And I was, I was going to call him like, dude, you, you got to Like everyone's going in to see Spider-Man. I have nothing against these Marvel movies. Right. But when you yeah. can see a movie like Casablanca on the big screen, like everyone's got to do that at least once. Of course, of course. And uh, that's a classic. Come on, man. I'm so proud of you, number one, Sam. That's awesome. <laughs> if I lived there, I would go. You know that. You can call me. I would go. There's no doubt. The reason to say go. Yeah. You just say, she knows I'm a lunatic with all these old movies. And because I like the Spider-Man thing, too. Um, you know what? I, I, by the way, speaking of films. I know I'm ADD right now. I'm all over the place because I'm hyped up from the drive. So the other day, you know, everybody's been in a shit mood lately because of the weather. New York, you know, we've had some rough, rough nonsense going on. Besides the COVID thing, we got rough weather. We haven't, we've been in our cocoon. So I wanted to get Teresa and Brandon out, my son, uh, my son and my wife. So I brought them to Jackass. Have you seen it yet? Mm-mm. I've lived if, it, but I haven't seen it. Just, <laughs> oh, yeah. But if you just want to laugh, like just laugh and because people are doing ridiculous things. It's just as good as all the other. I'm I'm a big fan of the other ones. This thing was just I was cracking up out out loud. So I needed that. I thought it was a good time. I think it's the perfect time for a movie like that. Like you know, I don't want to get all like we need all movies back like Casablanca, which we do. But like a Jackass movie is just the perfect release right now because everyone, like you said, everyone is just wound up. Like everyone's ready yeah. to yeah, go at this point. Absolutely. You know, they were smart. They put it out only in movies for them because they know people would people like me would show up because I just need need to. Get it out, you know what I mean, and 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 laugh and get it outside of you, and just because everybody, especially the East Coast, we've been fucking in our cocoons and with this snow nonsense. You know, if we don't have snow, the next day is this, the wonderful freezing rain. When did this start? Well, you can't drive because you're sliding down your street all of a sudden. I, mean, I brought my kids to school the other day. All of a sudden, my I have skis on it's my car. <laughs> it's, uh, dude, I'm I'm not even kidding. We were just I had the brake on and I was sliding down my street. Nobody told anybody. There's no salt, no anything. Just a good glide down the street. Thankfully, we stopped. Well, I don't know, because I live in Pasadena, so I... <laughs> I hate you. I, I hate you. I, I was waiting for you to say it. I was just waiting for you to say it. How's, how's the house? Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I love it. It's from 1927, and we got our own little oh. ecosystem out front with cacti and lizards and peacocks, and it was just amazing. Um, Why didn't you convince me? We know each other a very long time. Yes. Why didn't you? You're, my, you're one of my good friends on this earth. Why didn't you convince me years ago to move west? Why didn't you do that? Well, I'll, I'll say this. When, when Scott moved west, I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, at that time, I was still in Cleveland, I think, or Detroit. But it was so weird. Mm -hmm. Like someone from Anthrax was going to be living on the west coast. Because um, yeah. this was even before Bush. So it was like, wow. So... I don't know, man. You just seem like New York to me. I, when I think of you, I think of the Bronx. I think of Yonkers. Yeah, well, I want to get rid of that. I know. Well, you should come to Pasadena. To bring you, and we're going to talk oh, about your, your wonderful wife later. But you should tell oh, her, yeah. like, we have to get to the West Coast. There's no, there's no need to live like you're living right now. I agree. Dude, I'm with you. He's a, he has two more years for school. Two more. He's, he's in 10th grade right now. There's two more years for school. And then, you know, college and all that stuff. We'll see where he wants to go. But I'm going to push him. Let's go west. Yeah. Let's go west, you know, or somewhere just for the sun. And I, could, I just bought a snow, a snowmobile, not a snowmobile, a snow, a snow uh, shovel. What do you call that thing? No snow plow this year. Yeah. <laughs> a snow blower. Thank you. I brought one this year. I bought it specifically 
for it not to snow. I thought if I buy this thing, I'll be another good five years. It's not going to snow in New York. <laughs> Don't even know I had to use it the other day. I was so pissed off I had to use it. It's, it's insane what's going on over there. I remember, this is a funny story, it has to deal with the band Kiss. Like 1978, they played in Cleveland, and it was the biggest snowstorm ever. It was, it was like blizzard. <laughs> my, my dad, God bless him, he took us to the show. We had to stay overnight at the arena. Everyone did. Kiss stayed back in the backstage. How? You just sat in your seat because you could not. You remember the old Richfield Coliseum? You played there many times. Yeah, of course. And yeah. it was like one road in, one road out, sort of like Blue Ridge. And um, it was, oh it was gnarly, dude. Like everyone just had to stay in their seats. And it was fun for me because I was, you know, in fourth grade, Sleep living over. life. Yeah. Rock and roll I didn't know over. that. I never, that's so cool, though, man. You got to sleep in the arena? For, yeah, I mean, they kind of got everyone out like, like early morning, late night, but it was, it was gnarly. Everyone was, you couldn't get out of the parking lot. So what do Kiss do? I mean, I, can, I, have, to go, I have a show tomorrow night. I cannot wait here all night. I have another <laughs> Kiss show tomorrow. <laughs> rumor, <laughs> rumor is they, they stayed backstage, which if everyone knew, they would all just, you know, nowadays people would just run backstage and throw things and burn things down, but, you know, everyone's yeah. cool back then. <laughs> everyone fucking knew how to live in a society back then, right? <laughs> Um, well, it's a little different now, man. It is a little bit. If you want to get into that conversation, we could. We will. Second, no we, we will Ooh. get there. It's why I moved to Pasadena from West Hollywood, where I live forever. Um, they should have played yeah. a morning show. They should have done a morning show. I had Frank play a morning show once at 7 a.m. Remember that? Yeah, she did. Oh, yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> I was not popular. Everybody was up to, that, was, that was not easy to, to, to do. I, I'm. Look, as it is, I feel I always feel bad for the stingers when they got to do that. You know, mm. when you go in like a Howard Stern or something, that's tough. It's like seven in the morning to mm-hmm. open up your vocals and stuff. That's crazy. It's funny because like, that's a great point because I remember one time Cheap Trick was on there. I was so excited, you know. Robin Zander to me is the best singer in the entire world. And, Agreed. And Agreed. it was like a 7 a.m. thing and you could tell even he was feeling it. I mean, I've, I've, you know, we were together actually once backstage with those guys. And remember, he was just smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey oh. and screaming. That was his warm up. <laughs> Dude, yeah, absolutely. Robin Zander, look, I've been, we've been at quite a few bars in our touring career. So one time, my, my favorite Robin Zander story is in Australia. Uh, Anthrax, Steve Trek, for some reason, we were touring the same time. We went to see them in, in, um, at their show, blah, blah, blah. They came to see us. So we, Wound up at the same hotel, blah, blah, blah. The bar was there. <laughs> I'm sitting, drinking, drinking with Robin. He's smoking up. Robin has the best voice ever, but he could smoke like a chimney. He smokes, dude. So we're drinking, and we're, we're getting pretty good. We're pie-eyed, pretty good. And he's talking, and I remember he took, took the puff of smoke, and all of a sudden, and we've been drinking like all day there. He, gets, he takes a drag of the cigarette. <laughs> all I see is... <laughs> He falls down. All I see is the smoke that he put out of his mouth. <laughs> it was on the floor, dude. Oh. I, I, I turned around. I said, where are you? He's on the floor. He's cracking up. He, he just a, That's a good dude. That whole band fucking rules. They've always ruled. And I'm, I'm loving that they still, still keep it going. And you know what? They still care. That's what's yeah. most important to me. They still care. Well, I, I think with those guys, it's, it's like with, you, with Anthrax. Like, they're actual fans of music. I, I got turned on to so much music from Cheap Trick because they would talk about, you know, just these crazy bands like, you know, yeah. Pato and, and, and all this stuff and The Move. They were real fans, and you guys are fans. And then, you know, the times that I've seen you together with Cheap Trick, you can tell you're just fans of each other. Like, 
Tom busting your balls for, for playing off of you to Zane wrong. You know, shit like yeah. that. It's amazing. Always. It's amazing to see, but they recognize that you're actual fan. They're, they, they get it because the diehard Beatleheads, all that Rick Derringer, all that great stuff that, you know, they, they, I got into Derringer by, by hearing Rick talk about him. Remember those, he kept talking about him. Mm-hmm. I got to check this guy out. Rick's talking about him. Um, and that's how we grow. I mean, that's how, for me, when I, when I, I want to know what, what, what Dean Simmons is into. I want to know what kind of, you know, all, all, what, what Paul McCartney listened to when, when he was young. I want, to, I want to dig into that. I think that's important to, to, to like get, re- I don't know, well-rounded. I want, to, I want to hear everything that, how did that go into the sponge of their mind and make Hey Jude come out? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. What, what happened there? And what was, he, what was he listening to that somehow formulated um, you know, Day Trip or whatever, you know, any, any of these songs, John Lennon, whatever, any of these songs, it just, it fascinates me. That's why I think I've become, as I get older, I appreciate it so much more and I become a bigger fan of how it works. You know what I mean, Tim? You yeah. Know, you know, it's, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, well, with you guys, it's, it's weird because like, it actually just took off, right? Like with Anthrax and, you know, I've known you guys forever at you know and got to see some mm-hmm. of the ascension you know with ian shipley and all those guys and um it, it's weird because like I, I always look at success this way like it's like flying on a plane right when you're flying on a plane like bands like your career is like you know you could start an economy you can start in business some bands even get to start in first class but even though the plane's going a thousand miles an hour you're all in this confined space and you're all together yeah. so you can't tell how fast it's going on outside of you I mean, some bands are yep. crazy and they twilight zone it and climb on the wing and then their faces get ripped off, right? <laughs> but, you know, you can tell you're going a thousand miles an hour that way. But when you're in it together, you really can't tell how fast it's going. And before you know it, you're on tour with Kiss or you're hanging out with Cheap Trick or you're doing this and you're doing that. And then you become those bands to other people. You know, before you get to your final destination, you become that band that people are like, what is Anthrax listening to? What is Frank playing there? What are those guys doing? And it, and it was just fascinating to watch on the outside. Sure. And just coming from, and that's a great, that's a great point and a great analogy. And I'll tell you why. Uh, for me, I never see that. I, I, I still don't feel like that because I'm still You're in the, the plane. fan that wants, yeah, I'm, I'm playing in the band. I'm writing in the band. I don't say, I just think about the next thing we have to do. What, what's the next riff? We, you know, what's the next song we have to come out with? What's the next record? I don't, there's no rest. I don't think this. I don't think we should rest anyway. Yeah. I, I, you can't rest on your laurels. It doesn't make sense. It's, mm-hmm. it's, for me, it's like you have to get to that next thing. I want to enjoy the moment, but I have to see what's next. You know. So I don't. I couldn't believe when we got to open for Kiss, Iron Maiden, all the Judas Priest, all these great, great bands that we grew up with. I, I was just the lucky kid, that fan that was able to play in a band that played with these guys, you know, I don't even see it as anthrax or anything. Well, people ask me what I grew up on. I grew up on, they know mm-hmm. they, people know because I, I wear it on my sleeve because I'm still a fan. Of that. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's important to don't forget where you came from, you know? Well, listen, you weren't just a kid. You're a very talented musician who worked his ass off and continues to work his ass off and give a hundred percent on stage at all times. So I try. I mean, I try, you know, and it's crazy too. Like for you, you, you've had such a crazy few years. I mean, you put out an album, you know, on your own, which was fantastic, um, with Dave, uh, and the songs on there, you know, um, like late and cold and slip. I mean, there's just so many great songs on there. Like, where does that stuff come Thank from? You. 
That is the culmination, dude, as we talked about, just like the stuff you and I grew up listening to, because we have so many similar tastes, you and I. That's why I was friends for so long. Uh, all that, uh, and I always put in, like, people who have sponges, that their brain, they, they absorb things. That's the, the culmination of all that. I think that's what it is. Me holding those songs for a while, and then getting, the day, getting together with Ellison and, 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 you know, making me put his parts in my, my songs. I thought it was important to... To, to bond with that but uh i i i love that we did that record because that's why it was called get it out because i had to get those songs out mm -hmm. it was it was very much you know uh letting it all go because i mean look i love writing with anthrax but those songs those songs are anthrax songs but the songs on get it out are absolutely you know they're just rock and roll you know yeah heavy rock and roll songs and that's they could be used for anthrax and plus, let's face it I've been singing for a while. You know this. I've been doing this stuff at home for a while. I've never really done anything on record singing-wise other than backgrounds with anthrax. And that's mostly with John Bush, mm -hmm. to be honest, because Joey, Joey usually does his vocals and the backgrounds on, um, on the anthrax record. So um, mm -hmm. it's, I, I, I wanted to experiment. I thought it was, and hearing the great vibes I got from, and the reviews I got from people, I was really very pleased and humbled from that. So I was, I was very grateful for that. I mean, it's just, it's really well done. And like, you know, your choice of chords or, or some of the timing signatures on there, they're just, they're, they're a little bit off. And I think it's great. Cause I think it comes from the way your <laughs> mind works. You're a bass player playing guitar. I know you probably play guitar first, but you're a bass player playing guitar and it's really unique. And it, it, I think that's what helps it stand out. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I, you know, it's, it's weird. And to me, you know, this, and so you guys know this, um, I've always played guitar. Guitar was my first instrument, but jamming with Charlie all those years, I remember him telling me I was playing the bass parts on guitar. And that's how it all started. I, I switched to the bass and I, ah, you know, the, the bulb went off in the head and it was just, it was kind of meant to be for me. I just, I always hear bass. When I, when I listen to a song, I'll listen to what the bass player is doing first and then the melody and then everything else takes part of it. And, you know, it just one that's just one thing that stands out. It's always stood out. I don't know why that is. It was just, that's just a natural thing that I heard right away. It's it's so crazy. I'm, I'm and I want Damien to talk a little because Damien's a bass player. Um, yeah, come on, let's go. Ba bass <laughs> bass parts. I'm the same way with bass parts, and it, it's so hard not to overplay as a bass player. And it's, and it's, sometimes I think it's difficult to play just enough, right? Because you'll hear the stories of like where George Harrison was complaining that. Um, Paul played way too much on something where I think what Paul played on that is amazing. So you just never know what someone Absolutely. wants. So how do you and remember when Lennon did it, when Lennon did his sort of solo record, the, the first thing he said to the bass player is like, look, not too busy. Yeah, yeah. Because, and that's the first thing he said, not too busy, just put play, but not, not too much. Don't, don't, he didn't want him to overshadow the song. I get it. My, my thing, and Damien, I want, I want to get your vibe on this. So, my thing has always been pay respect to the song. If you could add a baseline for me, it's always been this. The guys I grew up with, Getty, Geezer, Steve Harris, they always told stories with their baselines without taking the song over. It was like a compliment to the song. I always thought compliment the song without standing out. I mean, just add something, add a little flavor to it. So it's like a little spice in there that makes it even more listenable. I thought that was important. What's your vibe on that, Dan? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm originally a drummer, um, and and just you know, we needed a bass player, and so I just thought, you know, I'll I'll try and do that. You know, I think I can 
hopefully um, add to the songs in this, in this way. And I think like you said, you know, you don't want to be too busy, but you also want to just whatever you, whatever you pick, you want it to flow, but you also want it to service the song. You know, you don't want to just throw a bass solo in just to throw it in there and show what you could do. Um, but I right. think in a lot of ways, like what you do with Anthrax and also, you know, like in Cheap Trick and like a band that I love, Descendants, like the bass is, mm -hmm. it, it just really serves so much to the song where I feel like if the bass was missing, it wouldn't be the same song, you know? And, um, and I, I don't think that they're, you know, just adding notes just to be busy. It's, it's, it's really just adds to the feel, the overall feel of the song. Um, and I think yeah. like, you know, with your playing, I think it's so great how, not only how dynamic and, you know, how aggressive it can be. Um, and I don't mean that, you know, I just mean in, in a totally badass way, you know, but um, the, yeah, it's also very elegant, you know, it's, it's your, you know, I mean, I had the pleasure of being able to be at the rehearsals with, with you and Tim. And um, I just went, well, one thing, you know, your backup vocals are amazing, <laughs> um, but also, um, you know, just, it, it looks so effortless, but at the same time, you're, you're just totally taking control. And I just think that that's amazing. And so um, I'm not a bass player, but I chose to play bass. And I, and I feel, you know, because that I, you know, started as a drummer, I think that it, it adds a different dynamic. And I think the way that your, your mind works as far as bass coming from playing guitar, you know, playing bass, yeah. you know, riffs on a, on a guitar, it's just it, having you know, the music is just inside of you and you're just letting it out. Mm. And so I think that's so great. And I think that's a great point because what, what I even noticed, and I've known you forever, was you guys started jamming on Protest and Survive the Discharge song. Oh, amazing. Um, right. And then you just like, like, man, you just took it, right? And, and we actually videotaped it, but you're just <laughs> going and like, you know your instruments so well and it was so great to see, you know? I mean, I've seen you guys so many times and I'm always impressed by what you guys do, but there's always going to be something that surprises me, something you do or, or something Charlie throws in. It's just amazing because you guys are full on musicians. You're more than performers. I mean, I think it's important to, to, to live it. You know what I mean? I think, and thank you for those beautiful words, guys. I appreciate it. But um, for me with this, I, I'm hungry. You know what I mean? I'm hungry to get to that next, that next part and, and just, challenge myself if anything you know i think that's so important yeah i, I don't want to you, you just got to keep growing i mean especially you know charlie charlie benanti who i grew up with tim you know this mm -hmm. i grew up with for me it's it's always been a great thing to have that one two punch like challenge when charlie plays drums i love the challenge yeah. of standing up having the bass standing up to the drums mm -hmm. and locking in i think that's really important and not be in the way of the drums but complement the drums i think that's really important uh, to to just have that no, no no pun intended the bass around it i think that locked in with the drums and bass i think that's really important and that's something when we when we grew up um i think we we had that growing up uh because he would play a lot of guitar and i would jam bass and then he would get on his drums and we go back and forth especially if and you've been in a million anthrax sound checks there's never there's never an anthrax song being played. There's always something else, <laughs> something that we grew up on, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Char I, I Charlie is uh, just an, an immense talent at anything. He seems like the kind of person yeah. that can do anything, right? And, and I love that about him. And it's no secret what Charlie has meant in my life and what you've meant in my life. So um, to watch you guys excel at what you do is always a pleasure for me. I never take it for granted. Like when we were at that rehearsal 
um, this past summer, I don't take that for granted that I get to see you guys who are at the tops of their games doing what you do best. It's it, look, we're, you, you know, as well as anybody else, we're very lucky to do what we do, that we get to play this, this music that we love for a living. That's, that's an honor. It's a privilege. And I could say all the right words, right? But it is truly, if you think about it, how we're, we're fucking lucky to be able to do this. I don't, I don't take that for granted. I know how lucky we are because I have a lot of friends who work really hard jobs every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get it. So when I say I get to play bass, like put it this way. And an hour ago, before I went to pick up my son, you know what I was doing? Because I, I want to get my chops back. I want to just, I want to get better. I, I just want to get better. I was listening. I, I'm breaking down again. This is from years ago. There's some parts on the song from Rush, La Villa Strediato. Uh, you, you better learn how to say it before you learn how to play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, know how to, I know how to play it better than I La Villa Strediato. I suck at it. I suck at uh, saying this word. Uh, it's all right. I know what song it is. Song. <laughs> yes, wonderful. La Villa Strangiato. That's the word. Strangiato. I'm Italian. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> what type of noodle is that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. I'm hungry right now. You should talk to me. I know. You're going to say, don't talk shit. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I was just literally, I was breaking it down again because Getty goes nuts on some of those parts. <laughs> and I'm trying to find an old video of what he did there. And, because he's turning away and I'm trying to look, where is it? Because you can yeah. only listen to it so many times and you're trying to break it down. But th- that's, I mean, it, it goes back to how much of a fan of, of music I am. And I just think it's important to break it down and, and be dedicated. And uh, I think that's important for everybody to, just, just to keep it going. Because like, I want to I incorporate that into my playing. I want to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, whatever it is, I just want to keep getting better and different to entertain myself, you know? Yeah. It's important. What was the first song you ever learned on guitar? Oh, it had to be a Kiss song. I think it was Strutter. Mine too. Nice. I learned to play that, that, that chorus with my thumb, like an idiot, you know, over the top of the fretboard. But that was it. I was like, and that's when I knew I wanted to play guitar. It was Strutter, though. Because it was easy. Because, you know, it's a whole note. Yep. Right? Well, yeah, I just yeah, wanted I, my whole life to be what that song sounded like, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you hear that song, like, I'm going to walk that way, and I'm going to talk that way. <laughs> that's all I wanted. And so, it's so raw. I mean, if you've gone, I will get you guys to kiss. I know that's going to happen. But, yep. Um, how, when, when I think about the early, because I've been going back to the early records again, mm-hmm. and just hearing how raw, and how just a great rock, in my opinion, a great rock and roll band, on record sounds like that's just raw stuff just you could hear you could hear the amps it, it was some there's something special about the amps something special about the guitars they used the drums it was just the, the vocal quality the vocal tones paul stanley just finding his, his amazing voice it's so raw that i so appreciate it and i wish there were bands i wish there were bands now i wish there were bands that would come out like that and just don't worry about the the, the bullshit just gets the song out on you know that's the kind of that's what it was it was so raw and and pure well it, uh, and i love that it, it it really can't happen again because it's what society was at that time and you had to be hungry oh yeah i'm not saying there aren't hungry bands out there there are no, they're just not getting there. signed by labels right well i was gonna say too you know i think from coming you know in a, a later generation and just you know um 
just in general, like from the fifties to the seventies, the music that was coming out, um, like the quality, you know, a lot of it was on tape, obviously. So that makes a huge difference compared to now with mostly digital stuff. But I, I just feel like it, it can't be replicated. Like the no. equipment, the just everything. Well, was, because you know why though? Because, and Frank, I'll probably, this might even describe you by reading your book. It does. You had nothing else. That's what you needed to do to survive. Like kiss. They were going to do that or nothing else. Right. So right. the hunger right. was there. Right. No. Yeah. I, I agree. Is you know, that it was, it was, you know, this is, this is what we're doing and we're, you know, we're just going to try and survive doing it. And then obviously it took off, but I think it was a moment of time that music in general, you know, like you said, society has a huge role on that. Like, you know, you're, um, you're, you're literally playing music to survive. Um, but, but not only that, but I just think the sound of recording qualities was so much better. Yeah. You for know, sure. I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Obviously you can get close to, to, you know, making things sound that way, but then they, they sound like they're trying to be that. You, you have know? to buy a plug in to sound that way. It's very yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's true. But you know what this, this, I like, I like what's going on with recording now, but, um, like pop is done in, in my book. Pop is just machines now. It, yeah. Unfortunately, and look, Gaga is awesome. She continues to impress me. I love Lady Gaga. All that stuff, the pop music, you know, Billie Eilish, awesome, right? Mm -hmm. that, that kind of stuff. But there's also on the other side, there's just there's just people phoning in on the other side. But like you have a as long as there's a Billie Eilish and a brother writing great songs, those are just good songs, right? And they they sound killer. Um, Gaga continues to impress me. Everything she does, because that's a true talent. Yeah, yeah. So, I think uh, that Amy Winehouse was the same way. Like, unfortunately, absolutely. But she was absolutely. mind blowing. Yeah, I was gonna say those. Absolutely. I think are unique in the in the fact that they they were doing their own thing, and then you know a label wanted to you know make it this big thing. And I think they already had that talent. It wasn't like they were just selected to hey, we're gonna make you the face of this new album. You know, they, yeah. they were actual artists and. Well the, well, the thing about Kiss, and they were a funny band, because you're right, Frank, there's d definitely a difference. Like, they were so raw. I think the real Kiss lasted until they headlined Madison Square Garden for the first time on the Rock and Roll Over Tour, because I think that was their goal, right? Yeah. You always, yeah. Read, you always read about that, like, oh, we want to play the Garden. And I think once they did that, I think then it just became a marketing thing. I, I love the album Love Gun, but to me, it's just, it might as well be the Kiss garbage can, right? It's just, it's just another marketing tool. They just rushed it out. Whereas yeah. the album before, Rock and Roll Over, I love, but Dress to Kill for me is the one. It's so bizarre. It's so raw. I mean, you have two-timer. I mean, listen to the song structure. Uh -huh. You have verse, verse, chorus, solo, chorus, chorus. Song's over. I love that. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, me it's so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about that, how, how that goes. Yeah. You know what? They left it. They just left it alone because it worked. Yeah. They didn't think it out too much. Just let it be. And um, for, for me, those guys, even now, even now, I mean, I would just like to hear Paul and Gene not write for anything, just write for themselves. Mm -hmm. Just go mm -hmm. back to them and just write some songs together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would actually say it to him. I said, just you guys sit in a room, write some songs with a guitar and a bass, and just see what the fuck happens. Yeah. And I just, without being influenced by what's hot, what's not, all that nonsense, try to relive anything, just because I, I think those guys genuinely have talent. Yeah, genuinely the, uh, writing talent, but and you know, Gene. I remember Gene when we toured with Kiss. You, you, you know about this. Yeah. It's even in my book. I, I wrote about this when we toured with Kiss. Gene at the sound checks right before when we walked in for for the day show when we toured. With, it was a crazy night tour, and 
we would we would walk in for our sound check, and Gene would we have one of our guitars on, uh, hanging out with the crew, and <laughs> a little circle of people around him, and he's talking, he's writing the songs, and he's, he's showing people songs. I said, well, this is where this this came from. And he's, he's talking about what Beatles song this Kiss song came from. Yeah, his influence. Oh, wow. It was such a it was such an amazing learning experience because it, you are what you learn, right? Mm -hmm. You are what you learn. That's and it influences you, and it sticks with you forever. So I would love to see what those guys would come out with now if it was just a guitar and a bass with Gene and Paul. Just yeah. let it happen. See what happens. And it's funny too, because like with Simmons, like he's so talented, and his Beatles stuff is great. But if I you if you listen to and I think this this is where I think he got the whole voice from. You know what I mean? Um, and it, Eddie Kramer produced this album. It was Humble Pie live at the Fillmore. The track mm -hmm. "I'm Ready." The third verse, the bass player Greg Ridley sings, and it's about drinking gin. Listen to that. That's where Simmons took that voice. It's 100, percent and it's so great. You know what I mean? Because um, those I'm gonna guys, listen to that tonight. yeah, those guys were so into different influences, and they they would talk about it in early interviews. You know, later on, it just became the standard things of we sold 100 million albums and. You can get a kiss coffee right. in that. But when they talked about the stuff they love, like you guys do, it was awesome. Those are some of the best interviews if you go back and, and read those. Yeah, Paul always talked about Humble Pie in a big way. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, was, he's a, he was big time into them. So I mean, it, 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 there's so many great bands. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think enough people know about now. I mean, uh, it, yeah. it could be like the big band era at this point. People just don't know about <laughs> exactly. it. There's such exactly. Great, it is. It's like, it's like this great, great music that was, that was on this earth. That's, <laughs> that's not heard of anymore and it, it kind of bows me out you have to dig yeah. and so when, that's when sad and do, hilarious <laughs> yeah, it is well I'm, yeah, it is. i walk around in a julie london hoodie so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's true dude you know what you gotta be who you are and look yeah. when people do dig it like i'm an old school movie guy we were talking about before um like you tim and i i have no problem with going back to the old shows because the new shows like comedies have you have you tried to watch a sitcom? Oh, because dude, on, I on love the regular channels. I love Young Sheldon. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody Ooh. loves Raymond. Right? Yeah. Hey, I like yeah. that show. I that mean, was a good show. What? Everybody loves Raymond. Oh, dude, I still watch that. See, that's on. You know, uh, was it on MeTV? What are yeah. those channels? Oh, MeTV, <laughs> dude. That's all I watch. Dude, that's I'm pathetic. I have no. I get it. I'm older. I understand. No. But if you look at the writing and you look at the acting in these things. A little bit different here. Nobody's phoning in minds here. They're living that shit. Yeah, because those were the deal. those were the old Hollywood guys that were writing TV at that point, right? And like, yes, I, I love a show like Mannix because that guy's okay. Oh. So Joe Mannix, Private Eye, not a, not a police officer, literally kills three people every episode and gets away <laughs> with it, right? <laughs> yes, it's so funny to watch. But that's why yeah. Rockford Files was so great because it was the an oh, antithesis of that. Dude. He didn't want to use his gun, right? He he just it was, and he he only worked for like was it twenty five dollars a day plus plus expenses or something. Fucking <laughs> the best show ever. That's the line. Yeah, dude, did you, Tim? I just read about this. Tim, I wanted to ask you because I knew you were a Maddox guy too. You have to you have to answer me this. Is it true? And did you see the finale of Maddox, the last show ever Maddox had? Was it? It was on the Brady Bunch set. Is this true? That I don't, I mean, I've seen the episode, but I don't, I would have to rewatch that. I mean, it's coming up. They play three of them a night. So it's coming on quick. Um, yeah, but I got to, I got to, I got to see that. I have to see, cause I heard it's on the, 
for some reason, the finale, you actually saw, saw the Brady Bunch stairs and everything there in oh. the set. I'm like, really? People oh, know wow. that. One, one take, it's really weird. I, mean, I saw a picture with Maddox on the Brady Bunch set. Oh, like, man. What are you doing there? <laughs> it's Man- really crazy. Maddox had, and you know, no one cared about all the things people make a big deal about. Like, like Peggy on there, Gail Fisher was such a great actress and she was such a huge part yeah, of dude. that show. Such a Come on, man. And you know, you know Zach Brown, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Zach, I just saw his father, God rest his soul, Malachi Throne, in Hawaii 5 the other day. Oh, man. He's just great. If people don't know, if people are listening to this right now and don't know Malachi Throne, C H R O N E. Star Trek, a Batman. Uh, oh, dude, he's on every show. He's on every 70s show, and he's great. And I say great. Beautiful yeah. man, too. My friend Zach's dad, he passed. You know, just a great character actor. And I keep seeing him pop up in these, these awesome shows from the 70s. And he goes, oh, there's Malachi again. I call Zach up. Right? I didn't know your dad was on the Wi-Fi. Oh, man. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and it's such a, it's a, we, then we have a moment. We talk about Malachi. We had a great time. So, wow. You know, I, I love all this stuff. You know, it's, you know what's amazing? is Laura. You know Laura. She has a mm-hmm. picture of Steve McGarrett on her desk. <laughs> really? That is her spirit animal. <laughs> I love that, man. He always had, I tell you, Steve McGarry always had an Elvis vibe. To him. Right, exactly. Why. Everyone, everyone, everyone was so cool back then, Frank. Right? Like it everyone, was better. Yeah, everyone was better. Like, I hate to be the guy, like, when men were men. But it's true. Like, even going back, like, I started with Casablanca. Like, Harvey, Humphrey, Harvey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart was the best anti-hero. Like, and you you might disagree. Come on, man. Awesome. Like I think like when the antihero came back with like James Dean and Brando, they were pussies, right? They're crying all the time and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you had guys like Mannix and and even now in the Marvel universe, they've really softened everyone. Like the Hulk is a dork. I mean, they get one big guy Thor. to play Thor and he's a dork. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> what happened? I mean, where have all the cowboys gone? Wasn't that a song once? Well, Zack Snyder's back. Yeah. It always happens like this, though, Tim. It's a cycle thing, right? Yeah. You have to go this to get that. Yeah. Right. True. So you you go this, and we'll we'll grow. You build up that hunger for that antihero again. Yeah. I look at it that yeah, way. Well so, said. There's going to be a slew of them eventually, just like music. You know, we all know the music scene needs an enema, right? It needs to yes. fucking just get it all out. <laughs> and, and it's obvious. I get it. But again, you got to wait the cycle. You wait the cycle out. It's like, you know, your, your favorite baseball team or whatever. They suck for a while, but they'll get the right players and they'll come around. I believe that the, the older I get, I see that happening in life all yeah. the time. Well, you, you, I mean, you've played enough that you got to go through those waves, right? Like, let's be honest, there were some lean times, but you guys did Oof. your thing. And you guys, yeah. you guys were very smart, though. You guys focused straight on your, your core fan base. You didn't chase anything. You're like, all right, we're going to make sure we're going to play to the people that are coming. And that paid off big time because when it came back around and you guys, and you guys are doing so well now and you're putting out amazing albums, like Thank God. you guys really stuck through it. A lot of people, it's, it's that plane thing again. A lot of people said, I'm going to climb out on that wing and feel what a thousand miles feel like. You know what I mean? You guys like, nope, we're going to contain it and we're going to just get through it and get to our destination. Well, if you think about it, what does ACDC do? Right? And Iron Maiden. Yeah, Iron Maiden. We learn from our hero. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing, you know, do what you know and stick to your guns and if you believe in it you know just because it's not popular look let's face it when Glenn's came in we all know what would happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) look this wasn't a popular music but again those cycles thing I believe in that the older I get I see it that's one of the circumstances right there yeah it wasn't but you know what write good songs it's all about make sure you love the songs 
and then you can't, there's nothing to answer for because you did your best. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying you guys didn't take chances because you really, you do continuously, even on oh, yeah, yeah. The, the new, like everything you guys write, there's a challenge. And I know that, and I know the process myself, you, if you want to go into it, but like, it's so amazing and how you all add to the songs and add your own part to it because you can really feel the different layers. Right. But you, you didn't play it safe. You still took chances, but you remain true to who you were. Absolutely. I mean, look, even you could talk about I'm the man. You could talk about, you know, uh, bring the noise, stuff like that. That's outside the realm of what we do. Mm-hmm. But people knew we were fans. The whole idea was, I mean, look, that, the bottom line is I'm the man with most of these Beastie Boys. That was, that was it. That, that, that was going to happen. If scheduling didn't screw up, I mean, the schedule screwed up and they were going to do it. It was all happening. Yeah. It didn't work out, but you know what? Maybe that was a blessing because then Charlie Scott and myself, we went in this, I mean, that was just a goof. We went in there, had a blast and did it. Nothing too thought out, just a blast. Three guys acting like the Beastie Boys. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. And that was it. And, for, for, and then you say, bring the noise with Chuck D. That was, that was just meant to be. Chuck, Chuck D has one of the heaviest voices in life mm-hmm. uh, to this day. Still think he has one of the heaviest metal rap, whatever you want to call it. It's just a heavy, pure voice. Uh, and that on, with our music, man, that's just magic. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, even, even stuff like Toast of the Extras, that was different, right? Like, um, let me ask Absolutely. you, let me ask you this. I'm, I, yeah. I don't want to make any headlines with Anthrax stuff. Cause you know, you and I, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but, and everyone's like, Oh, I can't pick one because they're like my kids. Well, everyone has a favorite kid. No matter if they have more than one kid, there's going to be a favorite. What's your favorite Anthrax album? Um, you know, I was going through this the other day because I was going through the records and looking out what songs I want to pick out from, you know, when, you know, some, some of the songs that's a curveball to throw into a, a step, mm-hmm. you know, you want to have some answers for that. I have those answers. Um, I'm sure you do. You, you can write out 10 set lists. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I always think of, I have to say this, it's really weird for me because the first record, first real record I played on and was part of was uh, Spreading the Disease, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the re- official record. I mean, when, those were the times where, where Carl Kennedy, the producer, the producer Carl Kennedy in uh, Ithaca, New York, my first recording, that was very special to me. It was very raw. Uh, and then we go, I have a couple of others. You know, it's really weird. Uh, Among the Living, because that was the coming of age and all that stuff. And you, you felt the vibe, the ground, the ground was swelling. You knew, and, and we knew we had the songs too on that. We knew because we were so into uh, just as fans. And then Persistence. Mm-hmm. And then I have to say For All Kings. Wow, nice. You know, and, and, and that's not, and that's not, you know, I'm not leaving the other records out because I love them. It's weird. I love them all. And, and I know we've been quoted, I even said it even in my book about State Euphoria. I think people got, uh, people got the misunderstanding about it or misunderstood what I was saying about it. I just wish we had more time. It's not that I don't like the record. I just, I wish there was a couple of, uh, I, I wish there was a couple of songs that we could have lived with a little bit longer you know how we digest them and stuff yeah mm-hmm. and you know instead of just jumping on the next tour i wish we had more time to digest them a little bit not that you know not that i don't like the record it's just not my favorite just because i wish we had a little more time to digest the song and maybe pull a chorus here put, put something else there you know something well, like that yeah sometimes yeah. do when you when you have like uh, you're making a, you're hosting a dinner sometimes you pull out some of the food too early sometimes too late right 
doesn't mean it was all exactly. bad. No, and it is what it is. And at the end of the day, it's still for me, it's still a great record from it, from the Anthrax catalog. But if you're talking favorites, I happen to love where we're at right now with mm-hmm. in the in the zone for all kings. I think we're on all cylinders. I'm happy to say that. And this yeah. it's funny because if you think about it, we've been around a few years. And you would think like people would be tired and bored. Tim, you know my band. There's a bunch of angry motherfuckers in my band, right? And 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 I love that. I love this the tenacity that you just don't give a fuck. And I like that. It's just that you got to get in there and fucking live it. I love that tenacity, and I and I think that's that's the real stem of Anthrax. That's the basis of it all. You know. I think that friction creates greatness. I think it did in Queen, and I think it does in Anthrax. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I agree. Happens. I agree. I mean, it's no, it's no, you know, it's no secret that Charlie and I butt heads when we write. That's fine. I think, and I've always said this. I think that adds intensity to the music, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. that, whatever that means to anybody. But that's the way it's worked all these years. I don't know why, but when the records come out, they sound pretty ferocious, and I'm proud of that. But yeah, you know? well, so yeah. I think it's the whole vibe of "I'll Show You," not just between you two, but between everybody. You know what I mean? And everybody, that's great. Yeah. yeah, everybody. Yeah, I think that's the idea. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the song. You know this. You guys know this. It's all about the song. You can't let out something you can't live with. Number one, you got to tour it for three or four years, right? In a row. So you got yeah. to live with it to make sure it's good. But at the end of the day, man, it's, it's, this is your life. You're putting something on record that's forever. And, and it goes, important. it just goes to show how much you care about it. You know, it's not, it's not that you're, you know, arguing about something just to argue about it it's because you really care about it and how it's going to come, come across. And like you said, you have to live with it and you want to, you don't want, you want the best for, for the band and all that stuff. So, uh, nah, dude, it'd be very easy. I mean, who the hell wants to phone anything in, 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 a, in a world where nothing matters anymore. Something's got to matter. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's <laughs> you know the what quote. I mean? dude, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I got that on my t-shirt. It, it's, it's just the truth. And for, for me, uh, you got to care about something and I, I care about my music because I live it and that's mm-hmm. the, and we all live it because look that's our release think about it that was that's our outlet mm-hmm. uh, you know again I say this in the book man my, my music's always been the outlet from pain in my life so yeah people are looking to this kind of thing for music to get it out of them whatever the kind of angst you have inside man especially now fuck Let's let's switch gears. Let's talk about the book because to me that's like the follow up. Like you know, like I said, you've had a busy couple of years, and you put out the album, and then you you put out a book. And I've read your book twice. And the first time I read your wow. book, it was like it was just like a conversation with you. Like we were sitting down, you know, somewhere on the road, or you know, I ran into you because I could just hear your voice. I know you, so it was really great. So if you wanna, yeah. if you wanna know what it's like to talk to Frank Bello, read his book. It's great. But the second time I read it, dude, it was like Goodfellas. I read it as a narration of your life and it was really fucking cool. And it really brought out so much more of it. And I mean, your story's fascinating. It's a very motivational book. It's a very inspirational book. Um, I mean, to me, you've won, right? Because the, the best measure of success in this business and being on the, in a touring band is you have a wonderful wife and a son. So if you can maintain a normal, beautiful family, being a musician, you've won. It doesn't matter how many records you've sold or how many awards you have. That's the grand prize. Well, thanks for that, man. It, and and to be honest, and for this thing, number one, let's let's face it. We've been on tour forever, Anthrax. So with Joe MacGyver, my co-writer, uh, we've been talking about doing this for eight years. About oh, a little over eight years, we've been talking. My first email, I said, when, when is it time? 
and he's writing a lot of books. I I'm on tour all the time, blah, blah, blah. So this COVID thing hit and I'm in, as usual, my basement dungeon. Um, and you know, I just, how much writing can you do uh, um, music wise? How much you know, playing can you do? This was the time where we could, we were in lockdown. I remember we were in lockdown in New York. It was one, another wonderful time. And, um, it was, I just, I emailed them. I said, now could be the time. How's your schedule? And it just, the next, the next week was the first session. And it just carried on from there. We did weekly sessions and two or three hours at a time. Lots of loud, lots of laughs, lots of crying. I had a mm. big box of tissues, mm. a big bottle of, um, <laughs> a big bottle of vodka next to me. A lot of those times just because, uh, just the stuff, my brother's, um, you know, my brother's chapter, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I had a really hard time getting through it. Just reliving that shit. Um, it, yeah. Uh, all the therapy, you know, and just for the people who are listening that don't know it, unfortunately, uh, in 1996, March 25th, 1996, to be exact, my brother Anthony was murdered um, by um, an assailant. Um, and we went through the criminal courts and all this other stuff. Kind of, when you read the book, I, I gave him a special chapter because um, it, I, I take you through from beginning to end of. Um, when it happened and it was just a terrible time that I, I don't wish on anybody, but um, it was, just, it was just really tough to relive that and seeing visually, I mean, I literally was seeing everything again and I thought therapy really helped it, but dude, it brought back everything. And so we had to take breaks. I remember telling Joe, I said, dude, can I just have five, you know, and taking a shot and just wipe my face off and stuff. It was pretty tough. But, um, yeah. Um, and then on the other, on the other side, you know, then there's some, Great rock and roll stories, you know, yeah. the Pantera stuff, living all that stuff, Kiss stuff. I talk about growing up haunting Kiss downtown and you know, their management and meeting them all the time with my friend Tom, um, touring with Kiss, Metallica, you know, Pantera, all these great bands and how lucky we've been. So this, what I'm really happy and what I'm really proud of, and now that the book's out for three or four months now, we've been very, very lucky with the reviews. I'm very grateful for the great reviews we've had but it's actually the other side of it is uh this book i'm getting so many emails and letters about it's helping it's helping people with their loss yeah and oh. abandonment and maybe a loss in their life of a loved one especially now in this horrible time but people are finding solace in this and they're finally they're finding they're connecting with them through that which is awesome they're finding they're finding their voice with that which is kind of cool and it's, it's like uh, if Frank got through it and he brushed himself off and moved on, then maybe I can do it. And that, mm. dude, that makes me feel great. Yeah. That, that's, I, if, if only one person said that, I'd be happy with it. There's so many people coming, uh, riding into me. So it really feels great. I mean, sometimes through your tragedy, you help others. And um, you know this, and I'm just going to say this. And if I get emotional, Damon's going to take over. Um, you know, I lost my father. Yes. And uh, you had this song, Pieces. And it's just that first line, you know, sun is shining on his face again, and I, I'm losing it. And I was so, like, I was so confused, right? And then I was listening to Volume mm -hmm. 8 one day, and that song came on, and that line came on. And then Damon Day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's very important, um, you know, that, you know, people look up to you, and, and obviously um, it's, it's such a heavy book. You know, there's, but there's so many important things that people go through and they can relate. Um, and I think that 
you know, reading the book, um, whether you've gone through something similar or, or not, you can appreciate, you know, how authentic and how, um, you know, off the cuff, it's just very um, emotional, but at the same time, you know, it's, 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 you know, help people get through some things and, and people, you know, look up to you as, as not only a musician, but as a, as a role model. And I think that, like Tim had said, you know, the, the ultimate goal is to be, to be able to have, you know, family around and to be um, not only successful in what you do, but to love what you do. And I think that a lot of people can really, um, you know, identify with, you know, I mean, the hardest thing that we can go through in this life. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think it, it takes a lot of courage to dive into a lot of the stuff that you did, you know, but whether it was the intention or not, like you definitely helped a lot of people through, you know, heavy well, moments well, like this and what they've lost. And it, I think it's, it's so great of you. Like you're such an amazing person and for you to write this book and to whether, like I said, whether it was the intention or not, you're helping so many other people in their lives get through these really tough. Well, thank moments. you. So I, I admire that so much about you and, and the book and everything that you're doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I appreciate that. And getting back to pieces like that song, dude, it just, it just, it answered all those questions and is what I needed. And I, I'll never be able to thank you enough. And obviously it wasn't about me or my dad. It's about your tragedy, but it just speaks to everybody that's been through it because it's such a confusing time. You know what I mean? It is. And Tim, you know, you know, I love you, man. And, and the thing is with that song, you were one of the first people that connected with that song that i heard from way back from way back mm. i remember you were one of the first yeah. people that i mean i made my wife here and you know Teresa and all that stuff but it really meant so much to me because then because tim i know you so well i know you so well then i knew it was real that it touched you and you connected to it when you said it like because if you're going to tell me if tim drell says something to me like that mm -hmm. then it's real and that yeah. you have to understand for me it makes it all worthwhile to write that song, you know, when I, because all I wanted to do with that song is say goodbye to Anthony, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, the story was, of people who are listening right now, uh, my brother was murdered March 25th. Three, three weeks later, um, we had a Japan, Anthrax had a Japanese tour. If we would have said no to it, and if I couldn't have done it, it would have cost everybody a lot of money. People would have lost a lot of money through everything promoters blah 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 mm -hmm. so all i asked for is just let me go on tour and just let me let me just be in my room and when it's showtime i just want to cry in my room so let me when it's time for the show just knock on my door i'll come out we'll play the show let me just go back right after the show and just cry more so i had a guitar with me in the room and because i couldn't think i never got a chance to say goodbye to anthony and and this was it this, this was me you know, um, trying to heal and saying goodbye to him. And I'm so glad that it, it's helping people just connect with their thing. And that's what, what else do you want? You know, what else do you ask for? Where uh, something I did for me that is helping other people. And that's, that's the ultimate for me. I mean, that's what it's about, man. For me, that's what it's about. You're connecting with other people. Music's supposed to connect people. And when I hear that, and when I hear from other people writing into me about this song pieces, God, man, I, I've never been more proud and satisfied. Yeah, it, it's it's such an amazing track, and like you said, the the healing power of music is is unbelievable. You know, when my dad passed, he was a big yeah. Bob Seger guy, big Deep Trick guy, and 
you, you know, and like, I, there's some albums I still can't listen to. You know what I mean? Like Live Bullet. Of course. You know, I just can't listen to them. And, and unfortunately with Pieces, I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to listen to it again because I cannot get past that <laughs> first line. You know what I mean? It was such a magical moment that I, that I listened to it just out of the blue and sobbed literally for hours. I think I probably texted you after it. Said, what the fuck, man? No. Uh, <laughs> um, and and I, I sobbed. Like, and that was like... So when my dad passed, like I was, everyone knows I had heart surgery and you know what I mean? So I was just kind of out of it, but that was the first time it really hit me. And it was the first, like, there's a difference between crying or sobbing. And I like, it was that sob. Right. And, um, I, I, I'll never be able to thank you enough, man. So anything I can well, ever do I, for I you or you. your family, you know, cause that was a healing moment for me. It was my first healing moment. Um, and well, you've, pretty much you've my validated, moment. you, you validated it and you have to understand for me. It makes it. It makes me want to do more. And I think, Tim, remember this, dude. You've been saying that for years. You've been saying that to me about that song. And remember, you talked about opening up in the book. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was a help. When just hearing that the song did that, I said, "Look, the only way to do a book is to be yourself and open up and just really let it out." You know. And uh, I, I tell you, man. I, I remember. I, I did I tell you, Tim? I talked to Hetfield about this. Mm -mm. Well, you know, I saw Hetfield on James Hetfield on this on this thing called Absinthe. It was a, like a documentary film, and about talking his, about abandonment and stuff like that. And some of the words he was saying, and I told him this. We played with him a few months back, and I told him I handed him a book. I said, I just want to let you know, uh, I want to thank you, thank you for because I saw that film with you in it. And he was talking about how um, he let his emotions out, and he was able to get over it. Uh, by letting it out and just deal with it and learn how to deal with it. Not even over it, but really deal with it. And it really gave me confidence when I said, well, I'm, I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at this film. I said, well, James did it and I can do this. I can just let it go. You know, if I, if I let it out, I could just like deal with it if I could just let this stuff out. And that made me open up more. And instead of holding it close to my vest, it was very much more cathartic in getting it out. It was, it was just like, ah, uh, because I just wanted to leave it all out there because dude um it's for me it's it's all about honesty and just being yourself and i tell you that's why i had such a hard time when the book the first two days the book came out i should have wore a diaper i, I was fucking <laughs> so fucking scared yeah. i was so scared because i i felt so raw because there's no lies in that book there's nothing you know there's nothing exaggerated it's all real i mean man this is my life and there's nothing left here there's nothing left that people don't know, you know, and yeah. um, it's naked. You're naked. It's, yeah. Nick, totally naked. And, that, and you know what, from getting all the emails and the letters and, and the great comments and the, and the great reviews, it, it's so validated and, and made me feel so much better about it, you know, about, okay, it's out there. It's actually connecting and helping people. Wow. That's more than I ever could have asked for. Honestly. Did you do an audio book? Yeah, I did an audio book. That's being you know naked. Why. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude. Um, as, um, even before I did the audio book, as you know, the book was just coming out, people were saying, even writing in and saying, make sure you do it. Don't get some actor to do it. We want to hear from your voice. Uh, in the New York accent, blah, 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 all that stuff. But the first day I did, I did the audio book, like three and a half days, three days. Um, the first day, you know, when you just, I got in the studio. It's a little recording studio in the city of Manhattan. And 
I was just kind of like reading it as a, a reader. Like, you know, it wasn't me. So mm-hmm. I heard, I heard the, the first day's playback and I said, is that even me? Cause I was just reading it. it was, there was no emotion, nothing. So I, I, I told the, the engineer, I said, dude, we have to redo this. <laughs> I can't re I, it goes, he goes, all right, what we'll do is, uh, we'll, we'll keep recording. So the second day I got really comfortable. I got very, I was, I was in my zone. And then we redid the whole first day, which I love because it made me feel like I, and, we were, and you were saying this before, I wanted it to be like we were talking to each other at a bar. That's the whole idea of this book. That's yeah. what it comes like, across as, too. It's, it's amazing. I said across. And that, across. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's the idea. I mean, and that's what people are getting from. They feel like we're having a conversation, having a coffee or a beer or at a bar. That's what it is. This is the life story here. Wow. Yeah, and I hope that this has helped you as well. You know, I know you're saying validation from from fans writing in and, you know, from hearing, you know, Tim's words, but I hope that this whole process has helped you, you know, it does. And you know what, because you're not sure, you know, I've been through a fucking lot of therapy, man, in my life. I mean, I have, you know, I had to, I still have to more. I'm sure I'm, I would go back and it again eventually because I think it helped. Um, um, and this is cathartic. This was a, a kind of a therapy too, in, including the writing, the song, the yeah. songs I'm writing, you know, they're, they're very cathartic, very, dealing with all this stuff and i think it helps a lot so there's a couple of avenues to get to get a better way of life for me i think do you think um your son understands how big of a role you play in other people's lives um you know it's weird i'll be honest with him it's it's, um and i just try to be dad Mm -hmm. i just want to be a dad that's what's most important i love anthrax i love music but number one is dad and that's what the book, that's what the book is about, abandonment. I want to be the son. I want to be the dad that is always there for his son, unlike what I had. That's the important part to me. I want to pay it forward. So aside from all the music stuff and everything else, um, number one is Brandon and, and being the best dad I could. And look, I'm not the best dad. I tried my hardest. That's all I can do, right? I, I'm learning every day. But when... Some of his friends in school are fans of the band. <laughs> he gets it through that. See, and that's what I found, you know, because some of the musicians and stuff like that, he's like, oh my God, when's he coming out? And we haven't played in forever. So, you know, my guest list in New York next time is going to be insane. Just, in, <laughs> yeah. you know, his high A bunch of kids. High school, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he sees it through that, but he just sees me as dad, you know, and, you know, and the daddy tells him to go to bed and when it's time and all that and do his homework. So, um, I don't, I mean, I'm not that, I'm not that guy. I mean, I leave all that on the stage. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that, that's good. But, but, you know, there, there will be a time where, you know, you guys will go to, and you guys should definitely be in the rock and wall of fame. You know what I mean? Um, I'll start that campaign. Yeah. You guys are definitely, <laughs> you, you laugh, you but go, you guys, yeah. you guys are vanguards. You guys are part of a movement. You were early on in that movement, you know, maybe neck and neck at the beginning. You played a very important role. You switched culture, right? You guys and suicidal, like every, all the culture high points right now, you guys started, you guys helped start, you know, from people wearing shorts on stage, you know, and Scott and you and all that stuff, like, mm. you know, all of that stuff, the mix with, with the hip hop and, and all the things you guys did, like, fuck yeah, you guys got to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know if it matters to you, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a joke. But like, if they're putting people in there, then Anthrax should definitely be in there. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. you know what? 
I, I want Judas Priest to get in there first. How about Iron Maiden to get, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But there's going to be a time where they and have thank to. Thank you for that. Yeah. They're, I would hope, but I mean, this, for, for me, everybody should be celebrated for, you know, that, you know, that did move the, the, the barometer, you know, uh, the gauge. I just, I think it's a lot of important bands. If they're going to call this the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's a lot of important bands. They really have to get in there. If they, if, you know, yeah. not just what's new and hot. Not just what's new and hot. Yeah. You know, that's not the way to go. This, that, that new and hot band came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you got to pay, pay homage to that, really. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know this, Frank. Like, I've done a lot in my life, and it's all because of you, and it's all because of Charlie, and it's all because of Scott. Um, you guys were there yeah, for dude. me. Uh, I learned. Dude, you're, you're, you're a, no, you, no. You, you do it on your own. You're a fucking, you're a go-getter. You know you've always no. been. You're, <laughs> You, you're tenacious. You, you know that. You That's guys, I've never, never kissed your ass. You, you, <laughs> you guys took this little chachi kid around, right? And I watched and I learned. So everything I've done in the music industry since, I would always think, I watched Frank Bello do this because you did. I watched certain things. Damien will tell you right now when we have when we sign a new act, you need to l- learn the albums because there was one time I can tell you exactly where we were. We were in Royal Oak, Michigan, and some some label chat can't say her name. I know who she is because I worked with her later on. She's like, oh, I love your new album. And you're like, yeah, what's your favorite song? And you know what she said? She said track three. And you're like, what's the name of that song? And I remember that so vividly, right? And Damien knows. I always say, learn the songs. Never yeah. say track or that one. Because it's important that you know the bands, right? Because this is our, our job, but that's your life. And you, you really yeah. got it across that day to me. And it really, really made a mark on my life. And I'm like, if I ever do that, which I never thought I would do, I'm going to follow, you know, I, I took what I learned from you guys, you and Charlie, you and Charlie have been such a huge part in my life, you know, the ups and downs, but I love you guys with all well, your family, heart. dude, you know, you're, you're, you're family to us. It's like, we, we've been, we've been together so much and so long and you know what? The good ones only stay around. That's the way I look at it. You know, you, there's a reason why we're still friends. There's a reason why, you know, people go to the wayside who aren't real, who aren't real. Let's face it. That's what happens in this career, in this life. So you, you kind of, People fall by the wayside, and the real ones always rise, and you, and you stay in the game. And that's what we do. We all doing that, trying to. Well, one day, you're going to have Mike Monarulo is going to be inducting you guys into the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame, and I'm going to be waiting at the after party. I'll be the first guy to give you a hug. There you go. Yeah, I hey, just, I would love that. You. So, And just to say, um, you know, obviously, Ike and I, um, I hate to say it, but we grew well, he grew up in the late 80s. I grew up in the early 90s. Um, and you know, obviously, we missed Losers. out on a lot. <laughs> no, yeah, right? Spring chickens over uh, here. <laughs> you know, but uh, Anthrax and Suicidal, you know, all these bands that we're we were just talking about. I mean, um, we're already at the height of the world. You know, just they were on top of the world, and um, and you know, we looked up, we still do, um, but looked up to you guys, and and I just think that um, I just want to thank you for being, you know, such a humble and hardworking person, and you know, it's it's something that we can all look towards and. I think hopefully, um, you know, I think that you're a generational band that, you know, there's bands that are growing up and just learning about you that are young and they're going to start bands because of you. And, um, and I, I hope that they, you know, really can learn how to work hard and get to the point that you guys well not get to the point you guys are at, but just, you know, work hard and, and really keep music alive. Um, and just, you know, thank you for, for all of that. And thank you for being such a great person. And, um, like, like Tim said, with the whole the plane analogy, which which is such a great analogy, I mean, it must have felt like a Millennium Falcon or something, you know. <laughs> I'm sure that the journey is 
you know, obviously still continuing, but I'm sure it felt like these years have gone by so fast. And, um, but yeah, thank you for what you do and, and thank you for inspiring. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to piggyback on that, there's no denying the legacy and the importance and the influence that you have had, you know? Um, and like Damon said, thank you for that, you know, but also just getting to listen, listen to you talk, you know, um, you're, you're an awesome guy, you know? Um, so it was, it was a pleasure getting to chat with you for a little bit, just listening to your stories and all this. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And then one last oh, thing. Thanks for having me, guys. The, the, yeah. the book is out there. I didn't want to go too much in the book because I want everyone to buy it and read it. But buy the book. Read about the Buffet of Anger. Read about his wonderful wife, <laughs> Teresa, and who is, must be St. Teresa. Um, <laughs> just an amazing person. And, and learn, you know that. Yes. It's just one I such a badass dude <laughs> yeah. um she li- okay so frank has this way I, I know we got to go but you know she looks like and angelina jolie she's a badass she seems to have a great musical taste and she loves animals it's just like it's perfect right yeah yeah um, i always say she i always say she's very lucky to have me uh, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. You go. And look, i know it's the opposite i kid around i said look i know how lucky i, I better not take I've been not saying too much. I know how lucky I am. Yes. And, uh, I, I don't know why she's still with me. I, dude, we're going to be married 24 years. That's unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> but, but read the stories. Read the Kiss stories. And read about where the song Booze and Cigarettes comes from. It's just such a great book. I can't. I can't not, I'm gonna get, everyone's getting it for Christmas next year. So <laughs> oh, is there a paperback it's, coming? It's Thank you. <laughs> paperback is coming. And uh, hopefully some other things along with that paperback. Ooh, we'll talk about nice. that another time. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. good stuff. All right, Frank. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Um, yes, you will. <laughs> it will. Actually, I'm, I think I'm coming out there uh, within the next couple of weeks. And, um, and let's obviously hang. And Damien, if you want, hang um, yeah, for some writing sessions. So, yeah, I'll give you a buzz. Yes, for sure. It'll be great. Thank you so much for the time. I love you. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. And thanks for the great words and uh, of, of wisdom. And uh, thanks. It was just great hang. I like hang with you guys. Yeah. Rock and roll. Rock and roll, Frank Bell. And send some sun this way, please. Yeah, you got to come out here. (laughs) I'm ready. All right, see you. Later.